Hi, my name's Tara Humphrey and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast, where I will be sharing interviews and insights from the field of healthcare. The Business of Healthcare podcast is brought to you by THC Primary Care, where we provide operations and project management to primary care networks. If you are a clinical director or a practice manager and your to-do list is growing by the minute and you could do with an extra pair of hands to support you to roll out your network-based contracts and projects, I would love to help you. We also provide consultancy and coaching advice to healthcare business owners and clinical leads looking to take the next step in their career or their business. Come and check us out at www.thcprimarycare.co.uk. Hi and welcome back to the Business of Healthcare podcast. I hope you guys are doing well. In this episode, I wanted to talk you through and share some advice on how to successfully embed a new role when they're working virtually, even though many of us months and months into this pandemic are used to working virtually. It is a challenge introducing clinical roles virtually when they don't have that face-to-face interaction with the team as they usually would. And in the field of primary care and in my particular niche, which is working in primary care networks, I know many people have indirectly made the error of thinking once we've recruited, then we're sorted. And they have underestimated how much time and attention and investment is required in making sure those new roles feel welcome, they've got clinical supervision, they've got support, they've got line management, there are HR processes in place to make sure the I's are dotted and T's are crossed and those new hires feel wanted and needed and that their skills are being utilised. So that is what I wanted to go through today. So let's get started. In order to successfully embed a new role it starts before they join your organization and it starts in the design of the role. You have to think very carefully on what do you want the role to do? What data is informing your decision? Who is going to be interacting with this role? What is the role and remit and boundaries of the role? It helps if before you've hired the role to work out what does the pathway look like? What does the patient journey look like? What information and access is this role going to need? What systems are they going to need? How will you know if the role is delivering on what it should do? What key performance indicators? What monitoring measures are you going to be working towards? That all starts at the very, very beginning, even before you've created the job description. What do we want this role to do? And it should be a collaborative effort. If you're in a primary care network, it is an exercise that is done with more than just the clinical director. We need all of the practices on board. For those of you operating outside the field of primary care, you will need to work out who you need to be talking to to make sure when you do recruit, everybody is as clear as they can be on what this person is going to be doing. And to design that role, either virtually or in person, get out some post-it notes and process map what the 
patient journey looks like now, work out where the gaps are, and then process map what that role would look like if you had your ideal role or that missing piece of the jigsaw in place. Oh, apologies. I'm talking about a role, but it may be a service. It may be that you feel like we have a specific function that a tried, true and trusted service can deliver for us on our behalf. So you may decide it's a role. It may be a managed service that you commission. And once you work that out based on your needs, based on your capacity to support, whether you can train the clinical supervision, all of that stuff that we'll come on to, but you need to work out how you're going to support this role in the design piece of this process. And that will inform your specification and where you choose to hire or commission from. Okay, now I would like to move on to the induction plan. Whoever's going to be delivering the role, the function, the service is going to be, is going to need to know how you guys do things. And that should be documented and organized as part of the induction process. They need to know who they need to be communicating with. You need to make sure you've got your IT requirements in place before they start. What mandatory training are they going to be expected to do? Who is going to be their buddy? What is their timetable of activity going to look like for at least the first couple of weeks, if not the first month? What introductions need to be made to this new team or this new person? What do you expect this person to be able to do after one month within your organization? What do you expect them to do within their first 90 days of working within the organization? Who is going to be, if it's a clinical role, who's their clinical supervisor, line manager, buddy? And essentially, if you're not sure what to include, think back to when you started your role and think about what was in place that was really, really helpful. And now knowing what you know, what else would have been really, really helpful? So what projects are live? Where do you keep the financial information? Where are people's mobile numbers kept? All of that stuff. You want to create a really good induction pack for this person to just work through and serve as a reference guide to support the early days of their role. They will really, really, really appreciate it. What we don't want to do is not design the role, recruit to the role, don't really know what they're going to be doing. And the induction plan or the induction plan is just like, hi, welcome to my organization. We don't really know what we're going to do with you. And I know it's really, really busy. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic. But it's not fair to recruit people if you're not going to be ready for them. Your new recruit or your new team will be really keen and eager to get going. And they don't just want to sit there at home, not being able to log into the system, not knowing who anybody is. And when they do speak to people, they have no idea who they are and what they're there to do. So please don't skip over this. Make building the induction plan a very clear responsibility for somebody to manage. So the next point I want to make, it is a little bit tied to the induction plan, but it's about creating a network of support for your new recruit. So they will have their line manager, they will have their buddy, they may have other people that have got a similar title to them within the role. So I keep talking about primary care networks because that is my bread and butter. In the network where I'm currently supporting, we have, we will have three pharmacists, a social prescriber, and a network manager and a dietitian. 
whilst all those roles are slightly different, they are all employees of the network. So we want to bring those people together on a regular basis to provide that peer support, to develop friendships and just to provide that space for them to share any challenges they may have in their role, just like you would do if you worked in an organisation, but you kind of have to initially artificially create that by having, we're going to meet every Monday for half an hour just to check in or we're going to set up a WhatsApp group or a Teams group for people to say morning and it sounds really silly but you have to remember these people are working from home. I am working from home and creating opportunities for people to say hi, bye, where's this, where's that in a really sharp, sharp fashion will be really, really helpful to make people feel wanted and that they're, even though they may not be visibly seen by everybody, they are regularly thought of and they know they've got a space, they've got a rhythm in their week where they are going to be meeting with people in a similar position. And this network of support may extend outside of their organisation. So there may be other forums for your new team or team member to tap into. So for example, you may have a social prescribing forum that happens every month. You might have a pharmacist forum that happens every month. So point them in the direction. This is where you can get support in and outside of our organisation. So just to have a little bit of a recap, we've talked about the importance of designing the role and I've given you a tool to do that using process mapping. I've spoken a lot about the induction process and making sure that you've got IT, that you have got their management support in place. I've talked about setting expectations around maybe the first month and 90 days of the role. What are you expecting them to do and what does their clinical supervision look like? Do they need any training? Training is a big one. You may not be able to hire an all singing, all dancing unicorn to do exactly what you you may need to train them. So as part of their induction process, part of the induction program, you may want to incorporate training. I would suggest you incorporate training. Don't wait for three months and you don't don't wait for them to pass their induction to invest in them. Invest in them from day one. You want them, you believe in them, you believe they've got the skills and the attribute, but they may, may just need topping up in some areas. And I would say just do that. And then we've also spoken about making sure that you have got a support mechanism, a support structure in place for inside of your organization and potentially outside of your organization as well. So another thing, another area where I feel like people overlook this, and this is celebrating small wins. So again, your new hire is working virtually. So if they have a good day, who are they going to tell? And the answer is they're going to tell you and then you're going to broadcast that into your organization if they don't feel comfortable doing it themselves. So Raquel, I know that you listen to this podcast. Raquel is a social prescriber. She's starting to receive referrals. So I am in our wider WhatsApp group. I'm letting the team know that Raquel has started to receive her first referrals and she's absolutely loving it. And it's just a way to remind people that Raquel's there. She's also recorded um, some videos that we've also put in the WhatsApp group just to help educate wider people about her role, what she does. She's asking any frequently asked questions. They're just really, it's just a really short video, which we're going to do that on a regular basis. And that's another way to embed somebody in the team. Use video, use the marketing tactics that you think of in its traditional sense within your organization to market yourself and your new hire 
in your organization. So shout out them in a newsletter, get them to create some really short, snappy videos and celebrate them and encourage them. If you're their buddy, you're their line manager, that you're their clinical supervisor. It's part of your job to draw out the good stuff that is happening in their day to share. It's really, really important. So if you fail to do this, people leave or they're unhappy. And if you're unhappy, you don't do your job to the best of your ability. It's the small things that mean so much to people when people say well done or like good job we have to really really create that when working virtually and in my own organization in THC we use Microsoft Teams a lot we have a wind channel where I'll post things that are happening I'll let the team know I'm going on a lunch break and that's not to let them know I'm not going to be at my email is to share like I'm going on a lunch break make sure you get your lunch break as well I'm role modeling that behavior and that we we just check in and just let them know because as busy as life is, it can get a little bit like, oh, you know, it can feel a little bit lonely just staring at your screen all day. Even though we talk to everybody, we're not really talking to them like we would do if we were in person. So you have to try to create that, have to really intentionally create that environment virtually to let people know I'm here. What are you doing? What am I doing? This is going well. If I'm feeling frustrated, if I'm not having a great day, I will use a GIF to let people know my mood. It's just those things, the designing the role and the education and the supervision and the induction, they're the big things. And now it's the little things that can make just as big as a difference. We don't want people to just do their job. We want them to feel part of our team and our organization. So it's these little things that don't underestimate just a text that says just checking in how's it going I know I think probably I know some organizations may have lunch together like once a week or once every other week you all kind of sit on zoom or microsoft teams and have lunch together I have virtual coffee mornings I know some organizations create opportunities where you cannot talk about work whatever it is and if you don't do anything just pick one and just be consistent at it and if you work in a big organization and you don't have this and you do it once and you don't get much uptake. Just keep trying. Don't give up too quickly because we want to create habits and to a degree or, and you also have to remember you're changing the culture of your organization slightly by incorporating this virtual element of onboarding new team members into the virtual space and not your real life premises. And if safe to do so, I'd also create opportunities to meet if safe to do so. Okay. And lastly, I just wanted to end with making sure you've got that regular feedback loop with your clinical supervisor and your line manager. So we can check in and that's all fine, but we need a formal process where we meet at an agreed frequency. It might be every month to sit down and say, these were your agreed objectives. How are you progressing? Is there anything that you need? Are we on target? And this is your opportunity to provide feedback, good and constructive. Don't shy away from giving um, constructive feedback. And they want to know if they're doing their job to the best of their ability. So they need that feedback. It's really, really important because they may not be getting those daily cues that they would get again, if they were sat next to you or in the same building as you. 
So there you go, folks. I hope you found this episode really, really useful. And if there are any primary care network clinical directors listening and you are looking to recruit more roles to your network and if you need some support to design your role or taking it one step back, you need a workforce strategy, I would love to work with you. So if you go into the show notes and click work with me, I would love to have an initial conversation with you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode. so much for joining us if you like what you hear I would absolutely love it if you left us an iTunes rating and five star review I know many of you give us a shout out on social media which is lovely to see you guys listening to the podcast so please come and find us on Twitter at THC Primary Care on Instagram at THC Primary Care and on LinkedIn just look for Tara Humphrey and if you're not subscribed to our newsletter please do it's really really funny you get to hear more insights more confessions some tips and tools and a roundup of our activity over the week so click on join the newsletter newsletter in the show notes and I will see you in the next episode.